0: Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Stuff, but man, it, it, it's it's crazy. Uh, you know, my son is—he's really gotten into sports lately, and it's been kind of cool this season. We, we've been watching a lot of games together, and, um, and and so I asked him, "All right, man, here we go, Super Bowl, Bucks in it. What do you think? Who's going to win?" He's like, "Bucks are going to win. They're going to win by touchdown. It's going to be close, 38-31, thirty-one." I'm like, "All right, that's that's not a bad assessment. That's not a bad bad guess. I would I would kind of flow along with that a little bit. I'll be okay with that." Uh, that guest, but uh, man, we, we are excited. You know, it always fascinates me. It always fascinates me that these professional teams, that they come together and somehow do something productive, right? Think, think about think about the, the people on these teams. All these guys have egos, right? Uh, all, all these guys, they're not they're not just playing to win. Many of them are playing for that paycheck, right? Uh, you realize these guys get bonuses for going to the Super Bowl. They get bonuses for winning the Super Bowl, right? They, they get paid. Like, we, we think we're playing and it's all about team, but but they, they're getting paid. uh some some good amount of cheddar there. And, uh, and so I, it just it always fascinates me that, that these teams get together and, uh, and be able to do anything with the egos that are, are out there. Everybody's playing. They might be playing on the team, but a lot of people are playing for themselves. We've seen it time and time again. Uh, these guys are out there and, and, and competing. It's a competitive, uh, competitive sport, but it always, no it always fascinates me that they're able to come together. Cause you know, we're all a bunch of armchair quarterbacks, right? We, we sit back and we watch the game with our chips and dip and mountain dew or whatever drink that you like to drink. And um, and we watch the game and we think, oh we can do so much better, right Jerry? We, we think, oh these guys, man, come on, what are you doing? I can throw the better than that, right? Anybody I have to be every game, right? That's uh, me, we think we can play the game better than, than all these guys. And, and it's just so funny that, that we sit back there and we watch that, but we don't realize that, that the game is a lot different than what we think. Like, uh, like I remember growing up playing in the backyard, and, and we get out there, and, and you draw the plays like in the palm of your hand, you know, right? Or, or in the dirt, better yet. You're loaded up, and it's like, all right, you're going to go out here 10 steps, and you're going to cut left, and I'm going to hit you right there, right? You know? and, 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 and so we go out there, we play in the backyard, we think we know a little something about, about the game. Right, but but in those those real time in those real games, like the, the, the game is really fast. Like things are happening. There's these big two three hundred pound linemen that are that are coming at you at the quarterback, and you've got to make quick decisions, like seconds. Amy's really been interested in football. We've been in the backyard. We're running routes. I'm telling him like what to do because he's really wanting to and Stuff like that, and and, and then they don't want to switch it up. You don't want to play quarterback, and I'm like, all right, man. I was like, what are you doing? You got to throw the ball, bro. You can't hold on to it to get sacked. And because like, this guy's got, got to be quick, it's a lot quicker than, than what you think. And not to mention, you've got this defense. These guys are coming at you. These guys are mean, and they're mad and they're talking about their mamas and all kind of stuff, right? And they're, they're coming, and they're coming, and, and the game just. It just goes, moves so much faster uh, than what we think. And so I say, like, I say, that these players, they, they have to communicate with one another. They're, they're not just going out there and, and, all right, you run down there and throw the ball, like what we do in the backyard. Right? Like, they have to communicate together. How many of you have ever said, it, like, where's the quarterback throwing the ball? Right? I many of us said that, but usually there's a miscommunication between him and the receiver, and he was supposed to zig when he's at, you know? And so oftentimes there's this miscommunication. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes they're calling out all these weird plays, and you hear them saying all these funny words. Omaha, Omaha, Blue 62, what do all those numbers mean? I don't know. But they do somehow. They're communicating. They're trying to communicate. They're trying to work together uh, to win. They've got to trust each other. There's some times that Tom Brady, he's going to throw the ball, and the receiver's not even looking at it. Because it has to be that that quick, and they have to, they have to trust you. Tom Brady, sometimes he's going to stand back, or whoever the quarterback is, Mahomes, whoever, um, they're going to stand back there, and sometimes they've got to they just take the hit. So they've got to trust the guys to block, and, 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 and they're, they're, they're counting on the guys to block so that they can focus on where they're, they're throwing. The ball, it takes a lot of communication. It takes a lot of trust for them to win or to move the ball at all. Isn't it like that in our relationship? Right? Isn't it like that in, in our various relationships that we have, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a coworker, uh, your spouse, right? your mom, your dad, or all of your different family members that you have? It, isn't it like that in our various relationships where we have to communicate and we have to trust each other to win, right? It's very much, very much like that. Uh, many of us suffer from relation slips, Right? Relation slips What's that mean? What, what, that's not even a word, Pastor Yes, I understand that uh, But think about this Things oftentimes get said That didn't mean to get said But it came out and it got It slipped out, you know what I'm saying? Right? There's some things that are taken out of context At times Trust is broken Hurt happens Look at the world around us there's a lot of people that are not getting along right now are various reasons. There's a lot of relationship flips going on in the world today. So what do we do? Huh? How, how do we navigate? Because there's a lot more division right now than there is unity. How do we do that? How do we navigate? How do we win in our various relationships that we have? Whether it's your marriage, whether it's your friendships, your brother and sister, Whoever it might be, your coworkers, your classmates, how do we win in our relationships? How do we avoid and work through relationship slips, right? Let's talk through that. Throughout this month of February, we're going to be talking through this each week, going through this to help you deal with that, right? Because here's the deal. If you follow Christ, you're supposed to reflect the love that you receive from him. You're supposed to reflect Jesus, and you're supposed to be Jesus to other people. But are we doing that? Are you reflecting that kind of love in your marriage? Are you reflecting that kind of love to your spouse? Yo, Pastor, I love God with all my heart. But does the way you treat your spouse reflect that? Right? Is the way we treat the lady at the, the checkout counter, does that reflect that? Does your, chip, did your tip today at the church at the restaurant, is it going to reflect that? You hear what I'm saying this morning, church? Are we reflecting the love that God has so graciously given us, the love that Jesus died to give us, are we reflecting that in our lives, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our friendships, wherever that we go? Because we can't just come in and talk about it, pray for it, cry out to it, shout about it on Sunday, and then turn around on Monday and act a fool. it's time to start dealing with these relationship slips in our life. Because when we learn to love others well, we reflect the love that we receive from God. It's difficult for some of them. Why? Because they love themselves more than they do other people. And that might be a hard truth, but that is just it. It is the truth. There's some, though, that have a hard time with that they don't love themselves at all. All requires us to surrender ourselves to Christ. All requires us to die to ourselves and surrender ourselves to the Lord. Relationships is one of the hardest things that we do. Let's just be honest. We, 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 we can't control what other people do, Right? But we can absolutely control how we interact in those relationships. How we respond in certain moments of our life. We can control ourselves. So how do we navigate? How, how, do, we, how do we work through all the emotions? Because sometimes that's like walking through a minefield, right? It, 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 sometimes you might feel like in your various relationships, in your marriage, you feel like they're tipping, toe over in this mind. It's like, man, I want to say the wrong thing, and then boom, it's just going to blow up. You might feel like that at work. You might feel like you've you got a tippy-toe around certain things certain people. I don't want to say it this way because, you know, everybody's offended. And those of you that are going to small groups, you're not getting offended anymore, right? Because we're worried about the baby safety, right? So don't take the baby. Offense only becomes offense when you pick it up. Don't pick it up. T- but, but it's difficult, right? It's difficult with all the emotions, all the issues, all the things going on, it's just a big minefield out there. We're trying not to blow up, right? It's a lot of stress to be living with, isn't it? It's a lot of stress. That's no way to live. I don't believe that's the way God wants us to live. But relationships can happen in any kind of relationship. It can happen in a marriage, it can happen at work, it can happen while you're waiting in line at Walmart. Um, I saw it the other day at Lowe's. This lady, uh, she was an older lady and probably was driving a, a truck that was way too big for her to be driving. And she back right into this lexus at lowe's and and this <laughs> the people saw it <laughs> and i was like oh, my goodness, i felt so bad but automatically they got triggered i understand right all right <laughs> like i just drop it like oh my gosh like dude it's was, the hitch had hit the bumper and it was just a small i mean really and I get it, I get it guys, I get it. Like that's that's your car, you pay for it, you work for it. But see that's where we need to die, bro. Honestly, I'm just and I'm just being real. like Haley you, I'll probably be like, alright, it was accident, it is what it is, you know, like these people, are like, you didn't know how to drive. Like that's what I'm saying this lady, and she's kinda of like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like literally. something you don't like? Or they just exist? <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, how is God wanting us to interact with people? Um, how do we prevent and overcome relationship? I'm going to mess that word up all day. And it's my own fault. My own fault. How do we overcome slips? Here's what it is. Jesus gave us a clue. He said this. What do you say? Love one another as I have loved you. We know that from time we were little kids, the time you used to be in Sunday school growing up, your mom and daddy told you that. When you started going to school, elementary school, said, "You know, this is how we need to act." Love one another. Well, what changes when we become adults? What do we feel like? Oh, well, 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 I'm an adult now. I just do whatever I want. No, God still expects us to live that way. Love one another as I have loved you. In fact, He goes on to say in that verse, He said, "This is how people will know who you are." It's it's that fruit that God is calling us to bear in our life. Love one another as I have loved you. But many of us today, we've burnt some bridges in our life. Some our fault and some not. Maybe some people have given up on you and cut you off. So it's like, what do you do with that, right? Maybe you've lost that love. Maybe you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Maybe today you have some people in your life who are really easy to love, but then you got some others that are super difficult. Maybe you've got some people you just absolutely love to be around, but then there's some that you can't stand to be around. God requires, expects, demands that we love everyone. That doesn't mean you have to like them, that doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but He expects us to love and respect them. Pastor, you don't understand what they did? I, yeah, I, I do understand. I've had people do stuff to me too. I've had people say but We're still calm to love them. Even if they don't look like us or they disagree with us, it's still the expectation. And that love that Christ has for us is sacrificial and unconditional. Jesus died on the cross for you. And for me he paid the ultimate sacrifice In fact he says no greater love Than someone who will lay down their life For someone else And it's unconditional It's without limits It's not not, They do something so oh I love them Because they did this It's meant to be love Regardless Jesus died on that cross Knowing people would reject him and you still died for them anyway. It's an unconditional love. It's a sacrificial love. And it's the same love that God is calling us to live with. In our various relationships. That would require us to lay down our lives. To lay down our rights. To lay down our right to be right. To lay down our, our need to have the last word. It's the love of Jesus. Too many are in relationships only seeking what's in it for themselves. I don't know how many times I've been in marriage counseling situations or pre-marriage counseling situations and tell them, listen, if you go in this thing only trying to get your needs fulfilled, fulfill this and you're, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. But if you'll go into marriage or if you'll go into a friendship, if you'll go into any other kind of relationship saying, hey, how can I serve other people? Because that's the love of Christ. How can I serve them? How can I meet their needs? How can I help them accomplish their goals, and their dreams. But that would require us to die to ourselves, to lay down our life just as Jesus did. We're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can go ahead and and turn there if you will. But here's some things that the Bible says in 1 John 3, 16. It says this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our life for our brothers and sisters. John didn't just make this up. It didn't just sound very good to him. He got this from Jesus. When Jesus said, No greater love does a man have than this. And he lay down his life for his brother, John 15, 13. So there's this key to loving Jesus, or to loving like Jesus, right? It's laying down your life. Lay down yourself. If, I, if, I, if I'm always looking to, to, to help other people, if I'm always looking out for everybody else, but what about me? Here's the deal. If you serve God and you believe that he supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory, you don't have to worry about it. If you believe that he is your shepherd and you shall not be in want, then guess what? You don't have to worry about it. Do you really trust God? Is what I would ask you in that instance the key to loving like Jesus The key to navigating all these relationships And the key to overcoming And navigating relationship slips Is to love like Jesus To put others first And die to ourselves 1 Corinthians 13 Starting in verse 1 Paul, the apostle Paul says this and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Right? If I speak in tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can't fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I ain't nothing. Let's pause right there for a moment and pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for being an example of love. Not just being God. You are love. You are our source of love. What it is to love. And God, I pray that that today out of this crazy world that we are living Lord, that we would exemplify you in everything that we say and do in our relationships, God, that we would love others, that, that, that we would lay down our life, our rights, our needs that we would trust you to meet all those needs. God, look out for other people. Regardless of how they look, whether they sound like us or even believe the same things that we do, God, we are all called to love as you have loved us. God, right now, change our hearts if they need to be changed. There might be something in our life, Lord, that we need to give up there might be something in our hearts today that needs to be put on this altar this morning and sacrificed. Help us to die to ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul was talking to a church that kind of was confused. you got to understand, the early church had this integration of all sorts of people you got Jews and Gentiles now worshiping and coming to Jesus. you got Jews who were grown up in very uh, uh, religious, traditional ways. And, and now you hear about Gentiles who didn't know anything. And they're all mixing together. And, the, and, the, and there seems to be a lot of confusion, some false teaching, and just some ways of, of doing things that Paul is trying to correct in their life. And what we need to understand, anytime you read the word of God, you need to understand what the author is saying, what the author's background is. And who is Paul? Remember, Paul was a religious leader, right? So he was very versed in in, in how things used to be. He was very versed in all the traditions and 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 all those things. He understood that. And so he comes in and look what he's talking about at the beginning of this passage. He's saying, listen, you can have all these ministry gifts, you can speak in tongues, you can prophesy, you can be able to do all this ministry, but if you don't love, you're missing it. Because that's what the religious leaders were accused of. That's what Jesus would often. They they would lord the law over the people. They would hold it over them so rigorously and, 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 and it was without love. In fact, they wouldn't even uh, oftentimes be around those people and that's what frustrated them about Jesus because Jesus absolutely would he was always with them those were the people he tried to spend the most time with so he could pour into their life and so, so you understand where Paul's coming from to say listen you can do all these great things for God, you can prophesy you can speak in tongues, you can do all these amazing things but if you're not loving people you're missing the point he, 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 he likens it to a resounding gong or symbol I know there's several parents in the room. You got kids that are learning how to play drums, and if they don't know how to play it just yet, it sounds like a bunch of noise, right? Parents, are you? Yeah, I, I know a few of you in I it can be annoying, even. I'm I getting I get nervous, I tick. You know, like whoosh, whoosh. They just want to hit cymbals all day, right, Ted? Ted's the one teaching them all how to play. This is I was like, oh my gosh, someone's so loud. It's botherance. That's what Paul is saying. He's like, listen, you can do all this ministry, but if you're not really loving it, it's not working. It's not effective. And then he goes on to explain what love really is. And this is where we're going to live at most of today. Paul defines love for us. It's a love that Christ has for us. It's that sacrificial unconditional love. It's not love without limits. Come on, anybody ever experienced the love of God without limits? Come on, if you experienced the full, uh, fullness of God's grace and His mercy, come on, you woke up this morning and His mercies were new, right? Come on, that's, that's the love of God, but that's the love of God that He's expecting us to live out and and show to other people. It's a love that wins. It's a love that wins. And, 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 and Paul goes on to speak Uh, As we read the the next few verses, verses 4 through 6, he says, love is patient, love is kind. Many of us have heard this verse whether you've been in church or not. You've heard it somewhere. Love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Notice that these are actions. <laughs> Many of us, we know love as a feeling. Look a feeling. I'm highly believing. I'm in love with you. We know love as a feeling. We know love as an emotion. Come on, fellas, you remember the way she, when you looked at her when you started dating, and it was like, oh my goodness. The Lord is good. Right? It was that feeling. Right? It gave you those butterflies in your stomach. Right? You know what it's like when you're with your BFL, your bestie, and you guys connect, and you just have such a, a good time together? It's a defeat. It's an you know, emotion. But Paul's saying, listen, it's got to be more than that. We've got to act on it. It's got to it's come out. It doesn't do any good for us to shout into God in the church house and to celebrate the goodness of God and the love of God if we're not going out and and doing it out in the streets. It's just like Paul says, it's an annoyance. Right? So let's talk through these things. The first way Paul says to love like Jesus is to be patient. man. i to tell you how funny God is To have to preach a message about some of these things And yet you wake up that same morning That you have to preach that And go through situations where you're not patient And if I can just be really honest And transparent with you this morning I lost my patience this morning With one of my kids Lost my cool so this hurts. I'm going to step on my toes for a minute. So if none of you get your toes to step on, I'm going to step on my own today. Here's what we need to understand. The patient person is at peace. I was not at peace this morning. What did that <laughs> I was up serious, kid. I was not at peace this morning. I came in this building not at peace. I'm going to be honest with you. The patient person is at peace. The patient that word, to be patient, literally means slow to anger. That was not me this morning. So to be patient means to wait without getting angry, to be willing to let something develop in its own time frame without forcing it to comply to your time frame. How many times do we lose our cool, we lose our patience because we think, I don't have time to be patient. And therein in that statement, is the whole point of it. I don't have time to do I've got plans. i got to be on time. I've got places to go. People to see. I've got a meeting this morning. I've got a calendar to keep. I've got a lot of things to do. I just, I can't wait. I can't stand in this line. I don't have time. I can't stand. So, so what happens? What do we do? We, we get impatient. We get worked up. And we act rude with people. Some people that we love the most. Or we're supposed to love the most. And again, full transparency, that happened this morning. I was not patient. I was not slow to get uh, angry. So, what do we do? We're rude. We criticize. We criticize them for not being like us. You just don't understand the time frame that I'm on. See how selfish that sounds? That's a relationship slip. The Paul says, love is patient so, what in you, what in me needs to die for us to love like Jesus in this manner, to be patient with our family, with our friends, with our coworkers, with your spouse? Come on, somebody. What, what is it that needs to die in us so that we are patient? And maybe it's our need to be in control. Our need to be in control of the situation, the time frame, whatever. Maybe it stacks what needs to die inside of us. Our need to be right. You think if the world would just comply to your timetable and your way of thinking it would be so much better. But instead of insisting on your way, maybe you can come to Jesus in prayer. Maybe today you need to pray this prayer and say, Jesus... I want to put my need for control and my need to be right, I want to put it on the cross. And I want to, I want to lay that thing down and help helping to live a life of patience and respect for people. The patient person trusts God's timing. They trust that God is in control. You can rest in that. The patient person is at peace.
1: The second way to
0: love like Jesus that Paul mentions is to be kind. Be kind. And many of us, we know kindness is doing nice things or just being generally nice to people. But maybe it's more than that. Maybe kindness is caring for someone other than ourselves. We often think of kindness as just being nice. And that's a part of it. But I want to go back to, to Moses. Back in the Old Testament, Moses uh, says this, uh, this thing in, in Exodus 34, verses 6-7. through seven, He says, the Lord, the Lord God, a God of tenderness and compassion... Slow to anger, rich in kindness, and abounding in faithfulness. For the thousand generations, the Lord maintains His kindness. Forgiving all our faults, transgressions, and sins. Moses knew God in this manner to be kind. So what does that mean? What what is Moses trying to say? We we get a, a feel for what kindness means here. With the words that he uses, tender, compassionate, slow to anger, forgiving, faithful. To be tender and compassionate means to be sensitive and to consider someone's situation. It's empathy. It's walking the mile in someone else's shoes. Someone doesn't just wake up and and decide to back their big old F-250 in your car. Right? They didn't do that on purpose. That's why they call it what? An accident. To blow up at the cashier, there's something else deep from going on. I I didn't wake up this morning wanting to blow up at my kid. Right? It happened. Tender compassion is being sensitive, considerate of someone else's situation. I like that it says that God is rich in kindness. It says that God maintains that kindness. I mean, God never runs out of kindness for you. It's His kindness that leads us to repentance. The Lord is kind. Many Many people struggle with understanding God, especially if they read the Old Testament, because they feel like God is this judgmental, condemning God, but He's the complete opposite. He's a God of kindness. He's rich in kindness. He doesn't get tired of us. He doesn't finally lose His temper. Look what follows from kindness and forgiveness. Kindness rejects the need to pay back or to prove yourself right. i don't to have to try to do that. It's like, oh, I got I to speak my mind here. You're going to listen to me today. We feel like we've got to do that, but don't. Don't have to do that. That's what kindness really is. So the word kindness is so much more than just being nice. And I know it it might sound super simple, but true kindness doesn't happen unless something dies inside of us. What is that for us? Self-centeredness. Self-centeredness needs to die inside of us. Uh, Being self-centered is being blind. People that are self-centered, oftentimes uh, they're blind to their own faults and they only see faults in everyone else. They only want to see things their way. They're, they're blind to what other people are experiencing or going through in, in their life. Being self-centered is being blind. Kindness has to do with being other-centered, fully aware of their needs. You can't be other-centered unless you die of your self-centeredness. Kindness is something that is expressed consistent. Doing little things for others. In marriage, kindness means setting aside your agenda to wash the dishes and take out the trap. I hate taking out the trap. It's become a joke now. Haley laughs at me when it's flowing over. Ha- it's not that I hate actually doing it. It's because I hate fighting with this stupid thing to get the bag out of the trash can because it's a fight. And then the dog is right there trying to sniff and get something out of it. I hate taking out the trash, but I do it. Because that's my trash too. Wishes don't wash dishes, y'all. <laughs> Maybe it's your turn to make the bed. Prepare a meal, vacuum the house, even when it's not your turn. Right? That sounds something so trivial or so stupid, but some people get all up in their field. Some people get offended. Some people fight over this stupid As a parent, kindness, we stay up all night with sick kids. When you'd rather sleep. It means long drive to that, that baseball event. When you'd rather be doing stuff around the house or helping out with homework. When you'd rather watching Wheel of fortune or whatever your show is. Checking up on someone you haven't talked to in a while. But it's like, oh, I don't have time. Right? Kindness in a relationship can heal the deepest hurts and strengthen the weakest relationships. Kindness can heal. A lot of division today. There's a lot of hurt today. And kindness can heal. <laughs> Write that down. The third way that Paul mentions to love like Jesus is to live humbly. 1 Corinthians searching 4 ends with these words, love does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. Pride is a major source of relationship slips. Pride causes us to climb a ladder. Pride puts ourselves above other people. Charlie, come up here, my friend. Even though you're wearing that ugly Seminole shirt.
1: Pride would have me say, I don't
0: like the Seminole. I think they're garbage. So, you know what? I'm better than you. Pride would have me say, you know what? I'm just better than you in general. Your way, my way is better. But what if instead of being prideful and putting ourselves up above other people, what if we were humble? You know what what humility does? Humility makes us even. Humility humility makes us even. Humility says, you know what's wrong? Bro, I I love you. So come here, let me help you out. Let me help you out, come here. I want you to do better. I want, I want, I want my ceiling to be your floor. Come on, come on. I want to help you. Come on, don't be scared. I got you, bro. See, see, humility helps me put others above myself. It's the complete opposite. Humility would help me. Uh, Well, what what can I do to better someone? What can I help to to achieve Charlie's goals and his plans? How can I invest in his life? How can I? pour into? How can I pour into my wife or, or your spouse? How can I do to help elevate them? How can I help them not have a stressful day? If that means washing the dishes, then so be How many times are we so focused on ourselves and we put ourselves like, thank you sir, help you Good job, long leg. Joker. Crime is a source of relationships, The humility where we're all the this- same. Right? Humility says we're in this together and we're better together. We're on the same team. We have the, the same goals. We're trying to win this relationship. Right? Well, pride would just be all to me. Pride says there ain't no I and, or, 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 yeah, there ain't no I and team. There ain't no me either That's what pride would say. Right? But God's calling us to be human. Love is, is humble. Paul goes on to say, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain, conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Looking too 4. Paul says that if we want to love like Jesus loved, then we should put others up above ourselves. So what needs to die here? Our pride. Our pride needs to die. It's whatever inside of us that needs to climb the ladder and put ourselves above other people. Loving like Jesus is putting our pride and our ego on the cross of Calvary, and telling those that we're in relationship with, no matter what happens, I will always love you. Whether that's your friends, whether that's your neighbors, whether that's someone that doesn't look like you or believe the same things. If you, whether that's your spouse, your family, it says no matter what happens, I'm going to always. Love you. If you're in the midst of a relationship that's struggling, if you're in a marriage that, that is struggling, if you're in a friendship that's been strained for years, if you've got some family members you haven't called because you're waiting on them to make the first move, come on, you need to make that call today. Amen. Think of the difference it will make if you put to death your pride and walked down the ladder picked up that phone or how that conversation that says, no matter what happens, I will always love you. Let's put pride to death in our life. There's no place for it in the kingdom of God. God says he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The fourth way of a love like Jesus is to not get ugly. I don't make no jokes right Right now. Okay? There's a lot of little jokes we've made there. That's not what I'm talking about. To love like Jesus, you can't get ugly. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that love does not act unbecomingly. Right? It, it, it's not ugly. God's love is beautiful. Right? A, in, in fact, God doesn't like ugly. We say that kind of stuff all the time, but do we really live it? Paul lists out a number of ways that it would get ugly. He says it does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't take into account a wrong sufferer does not rejoice in unrighteousness. First, he would say that love doesn't seek its own, right? The word seek here means to crave. It means to crave. It, it means that sometimes we crave and demand our own way. You don't care about what's good for other people. You just want what you want. You want it now. You want it when you want Right? And you'll start a fight over that. You'll, you'll end the relationship or friendship. You will unfollow people on Facebook. And we get like this oftentimes in the lowest moments of our lives. Right? Right. We'll wield power over people because we think it's all right. We've reached the you know, end of our rope. We're frustrated. We're tired. We're, we're burdened. We've got this heaviness on us. And, and suddenly life becomes all about us. And it, it's not pretty Pause is another way we get ugly is when we are provoked. That means when we let people get under our skin, like I did this morning with my kid. We lose our patience, we've had enough, and we just let it rip. We don't care what we say, we don't care how we say it. And that's ugly. And then he it's another way we get ugly. We love to catch someone doing something wrong, don't we? I told you you would do that again. I knew you would mess up. That's not pretty. That's ugly. He calls it rejoicing in unrighteousness. So satisfied. to said, oh, I told you so. Many people get kicked out of that. Not I knew it. You've done it before. I knew you would do it again. I'm sick of it. None of us like to admit these things what needs to die here what makes these behaviors so ugly that they show a total disregard or disrespect for people the very people that God created and sent jesus to die for we think we can treat like dirt sometimes that needs to die in us so that we can show people the honor and the love that they deserve the final way to love like jesus here is to never give up Never give up. 1 Corinthians 13 7 says, Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Imagine if at the beginning of every fight, every disagreement, every time we were ready to quit, every time we were ready to unfollow somebody, every time that we were just done, right? What if instead of fighting for our rights, what if instead of fighting for our, our, our Wanting to have the last word? What if what if our are fighting to defend ourselves? What if instead of fighting for those things? What if we fought to protect the relationship? Right? Well, what if we fought for the trust between each other? What, what if we fought for the hope of the future to make things right, to restore, to bring unity, right? What, what if we fought for those things and to preserve the relationship at all costs? Instead of giving into ourselves. In the heat of the moment What if instead of fighting to be heard And to, and to be right and get the last word what, what, what if we fought to understand And to actually listen And many of us we hear but we don't listen We hear what we want to hear or, or we might be, I see your lips moving But I'm not making out anything because I'm not really listening I just hear the noise If we would stop and listen and seek to understand. Yeah, babe, I, I hear you. I, I, all right, I, I get it. Like, What do you? Stop instead of thinking, oh, well, what about me? No, okay, I hear you. I hear you're frustrated. Hear, what, what can we do? How can we work this out? I don't know, that probably sounds easier than, than easier said than done, but, but for many times we don't seek to understand. We don't listen. We just... How do you think this world would change? How do you think our relationships would change if, if we would uh, approach them in this manner, if we would seek to listen, not just hear? I, I think we'd have a drastic impact on our interactions, on our world. What, what does that look like? Imagine this, if you would, for a moment. Imagine, imagine this. What, what would that look like? That, that means putting down the phone. Put, put down a phone and sit and spend time, quality time. Quality time, sometimes maybe it's doing something that you don't really like to do, but you know it, it would bless them, right? Quality time. what does it look like? It looks like going outside with your kids and you'd rather take a nap. It looks like being all in when you're home and not still at work. That looks like date nights with your spouse often. That looks like picking up the phone and checking on somebody. Just because you had a feeling you needed to reach out or you haven't seen them in a while or talked to them. That looks like interceding and praying for people when there is a need and even when there isn't one. Matter of fact, spouses, that looks like praying and laying hands on your spouse. Instead of just wanting to get handsy with your spouse. That looks like building others up and encouraging them instead of tearing them. Come on, church, where is the love? Where where is the love? Where is the love of God? Where is the love of Jesus? That love that Jesus uh, gave for us. Come on, Jesus didn't just die so that you could have a clean slate and and feel all better about yourself. Jesus didn't just die uh, to, to, to do a work in your life. He died because there's a better way. There's a better way than the way the world is living right now. Jesus died for that. He he died so that people can experience this love that we are talking about. He died so that the world would change with his love through you and through me. So we have to die to ourselves. Lay ourselves down. Lay that right to be right down. Lay that, that, that feeling and that need to have the last word. Lay down those insecurities and those fears. Because if you die to your desires, that's when God can come in your life and give you the power to love like Jesus. Come on, worship team, you guys can come on. After the Last Supper, as we get ready to close things out, on Jesus' final night, Jesus spent time with his disciples, right? We see them having a meal together, and then they go out from there. And there's this scene that we see play out in the garden, right? The disciples, Jesus said, Listen, we got to pray. So things are about to change. And things are about to happen. We you know, the disciples fell asleep. They couldn't handle it. But Jesus, we find, praying, intensely praying for what's about to come. Right before he's arrested, he stops and he prays and he talks to God. And when he talked to God, he was tempted. He was tempted to give up. Right? He was fully human, fully God. Saying, I don't know about this, God, right? But instead, Jesus decided to not give up on us. He decided to fight for us and for our relationships. And in Luke twenty-two, forty-two, he says this. Many of us know. He says, "Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me." Yet, yeah. what is he praying? My, uh, not my will, but your will be done. These are the words of a love that perseveres. These are the words of, of a love that, that, that pushes through all things. To say, God, I, if there's any way, I don't want to do this. But at the end of the day, your will be done. Not what I want. But your will. And that's how we should pray every single day. Whether it's your relationship. Or just how you live your life in general our prayer, our desire where we need to go is that our self needs to die and we need to say God not my will, but your will be done Jesus doesn't just uh, pray that to God here in fact earlier on when the disciples are asking God Jesus how do we pray and he says listen this is how you pray in, in that prayer, in that model of how we should pray he says what your will be done on earth as it is in heaven That's the goal. Not my will. Your will. Even if that means I don't get my way. Even if that means I've got to give up something. Not my will. Your will be done. Loving like Jesus is overcoming relationships again and again and again. To always protect, always trust, always hope always persevere. Simply put, if at the hardest moment of your relationship you refuse to give up, you'd be loving like Jesus did and does. There's always room for restoration in any relationship. There's always room for forgiveness. There is always room to make things right. What I want to see here today is that that the death and resurrection story, it's not just Jesus' story. It's our story. Hear hear me out. Winning in our relationship to me, we die to ourselves, and we ask the Spirit of God in us to give us the love that we need. It requires us to die to ourselves. And that's what distinguishes us as God's children. That's the fruit that we are meant to bear in. follow Really change since dropping the ball can be the difference in winning and losing. So guess what? In, in the game of football, you, you gotta protect this thing, right? I'm gonna hold on to this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna protect it. So I'm gonna stiff on you you try to come attack me, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna do you. Are you gonna Charlie? break the ankles? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make you miss. I'm gonna spin you, Madden style, right? I'm gonna do, I'm gonna protect this ball. on my own. I don't have to protect this wall on my own, right? This love that God has given us so richly, so freely, the love that, that Jesus has given us and shown us through his death and his resurrection, we gotta fight for it, church. Now know that we gotta fight for it. We gotta get on our knees and we gotta pray for it. We gotta, we gotta fight for it. We gotta intercede for it. We gotta we gotta go we've gotta protect this thing, right? We gotta protect this love that God has given us. Not just for us, but for the world, so we can't fumble it. Now more than ever, we got we gotta quit fumbling the ball because I think over the years we fumbled it too many times. And there's people that are hurting, there's people that are lost, there's people that are confused, and they need a church who's in this thing to win it. They need people who are, who are exemplifying strong marriages and what it means to love each other. And young people in schools who are who are being different than the rest of the world. Come on, church. We gotta protect this love that God has given us. Don't fumble it. With. We are better together. We are better when we love like Jesus. His love is a love that wins. Come on, will you stand up with me this morning? Come on, I hope you're ready, to church, to fight for this thing. I hope you're ready to fight for your